0: Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Isn't our God great? All right, well, we're going to start off with reading uh, one passage of scripture tonight. I'm uh, still on our our little mini-series. Anything fewer than six messages is a mini-series for me. You know, usually they go 15, 16, you know, depending on Sunday nights, 28, 30. Uh, But that's a different deal. About the power of forgiveness, about forgiveness. And and, uh, uh, tonight I want to talk about misdemeanors, felonies, and forgiveness. Misdemeanors, And I don't mean this in the criminal sense, felonies and forgiveness. But I want to start off reading out of Mark 11, a very famous scripture, especially to those people who are part of the, quote, charismatic movement, etc. Jesus, this is from the uh, New American Standard. Begin Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, I like the King James version of that actually a little better. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. They will be granted you. you. Whenever you now listen to verse 25. Which he, this is not a new paragraph. He has not changed his subject. Whenever you stand praying. He was just talking about praying, right? Now let's back up. Look here again. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask. Mark, could you turn me just down a little bit? I'm slapping back off that wall. It's awfully strong. For all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them. And they you shall have them. I like that better. I should have just put this in the King. Jack. Believe that you have whenever you pray and ask all things for which you pray and ask. Then we come to verse 25. He says whenever you stand praying. So this is directly related to the ability to receive. Yes. Forgive. Yes. If you have anything against anyone. Ay, caramba. He didn't say some things. He said anything against anyone. Well, there's some people I'll forgive and there's some people I won't. It's going to hurt your faith. There are some things I'll forgive and there are some things I won't forgive. That'll hurt your faith. Amen. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. Now, we talked a little bit about that dynamic last week. I don't want to go back into all of that again. But what I do want to say is forgiveness is such a hugely important topic that we have got to get it. And so we've got to get that worked out. And so one of the things we have to understand is that it's gotten to the point that we people just get offended at anything or nothing, you know, And so we're going to talk about what is worthy or what requires forgiveness and what to excuse something is different than to forgive it. To excuse it is to say this person did not intentionally do something. Their their offense against me was unintentional. It was either careless or it was, you you know, they're in a bad place. And didn't mean, you know, that, etc. Where you can excuse it, you know. But when it is definitely intentional, then that's where forgiveness uh, comes in. Daily life includes the thoughtless and absolutely annoying behavior of other people. Has anybody besides me noticed that? It's like the little kid that asks his mom, Mama, why is it the idiots only come out when daddy's driving? No, the idiots are there the whole time. It's just that Mama is is, is more graceful in the usually in the way she handles it, all right? Now, let me talk about a couple of things that'll and how many of you have ever said you know, just think about all of the ways we have of saying I'm angry. That frosts me. That locks my jaws there's some I can't even repeat you know in polite company and uh you know uh, I, one one time this the, we were on an interstate up north, and we're being we've been told for a mile and a half that the left lane was going to go away, and so you're so what do you do? You move over into the right lane, dutifully, like a good, like a good, a good citizen, and you move over like this, and you start slowing down. And yet here are all these people, zoom, 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 going by you over there in that left lane. You know they could have moved over, but no, they're going to run all the way down there in the front, and some sit there and look. You know, do the what is it, puss and boots thing. And somebody let him in. And I remember uh, one time we were we were headed down there. Uh, we were this is somewhere in Minnesota, and a truck driver driving a big rig pulled over into that lane and blocked it. Right. You know, and I knew what he was doing, yeah. and so I kept back far enough so that he could move back over when the time came. And the people behind him were furious. I mean flashing hand signs, you know. Uh, you, you, anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Things, it annoyance factor of 70 to 75 percent would be any of the lights and independence. Somebody is in the line. They used to have these. They don't anymore. I don't see these anymore. Fifteen, lines, uh, 15 items or less. Remember how they used to have, you know, 15 items or less and yet there's somebody standing there with a basket just loaded like Mount Everest there, you know. Or you're at the warehouse store and the lines are, are, you know, there's three checkouts open and the lines are long and employees are walking by like everything is humming. It's like, and you're thinking, oh, it's another line, you know, that kind of stuff. And or you've been waiting there patiently for you know, watching all these people walk around and you finally get up there and just as you get up there somebody comes and opens the register next to it. You know, and instead of saying I'll take the next one in line, somebody who just walked up and they did not have to wait even a little bit and they just breeze right through ahead of you. That is unjust. Or One of those hand gestures, hand signals, you know, I talked about coming your way from another driver. And, you know, and you're thinking, me, I'm the nicest guy in town and they're doing that? They ought to be kissing my foot, you know. Sometimes we get offended when we expect something from somebody. So and so should do this for me. Man, I can't believe that they didn't do that for me. It's like, you know, my my Uncle Bo, you know, for the last three years has given everybody five hundred dollars each and he's wealthy. And we always look forward to Christmas because Uncle Bo always gives all the nieces and nephews five hundred dollars a piece. And so we, you know, get to the point that we even maybe obligate ourselves so that we're going to pay this off just as quick as Uncle Bo's gift. We open it under the tree. And this year without explanation it doesn't come. Uh oh. And it's worse if other relatives get it and I don't. It is so quiet in here. (laughs) We have got to deal with minor bumps and bruises along the way. I mean I have to stand back and ask myself honestly. Did Uncle Bo owe me anything? The answer is no. All right. And yet we live in an entitlement generation that feel that they're entitled uh, to everything. Um, I heard a story today, just today, about somebody that had dropped their car off at a car dealership uh, to be repaired and was given a loaner to drive while their their car was being fixed and this individual loaned his car that car the loaner car to a relative who drove it to Colorado and then was advised that his car was ready and he came down to get it and they said well where's our loaner well it's in Colorado we need our car back and they won't give him his car back until they get their car back unhappy You know, I I, got to admit, when I heard that story, I was gobsmacked. I would never think about taking a car that was given to me as a loaner that was not mine and giving it to a relative to drive all the way out to the mountains. I mean, that's, you know, but we live in an age. and, And let me tell you something, when people think that way, it that, you know, it comes over into the way they and so what we, we we find ourselves doing is we find ourselves making felonies out of misdemeanors out of unintentional you know my you know i remember when i was a kid i used to get upset about stuff and my mom would say something that i did not understand at the time she would say kevin don't make a federal case out of this well, what she meant was, don't make a big deal out of this is because it's not a big deal. Did anybody else's mom say that to them? Yeah, I haven't heard that in a long, long time. In fact, it's not even the notes. I just happen to remember it. Well, the fact is that an offense, a genuine offense, one of the things that when I was a police officer, we had two kinds of reports, other than accident reports. Whenever we made the, a, a police call, whenever we came to a situation we would come away making one of two kinds of reports one was a number five which was an incident report where we described and just write down some of the bare facts of the case what had happened there and no crime was committed that we could determine the other one was an offense report when a crime had actually been committed Every crime has, you know, and this was in Texas, and according to the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, there were elements to the offense. And if the elements were there, then there was an offense. It shall be an offense. In other words, it shall be injury to the state. It shall be injury to the person. An offense is an injury. The problem is, we take a lot of things that are not really injuries and turn them into an injury. Everybody love me. Say amen. Injury. Actual offense is when actual injury occurs. When pain and loss is truly inflicted. Not merely perceived. He didn't shake my hand. He walked right past me. Now he's standing over there talking to somebody. And he glanced at me. They're talking about me. I'm just as sure of it as I'm standing here. The devil loves stuff like that. Okay, so let me give you some things that are a nature. Give me. Let me give you three rubrics here for true identifying true offenses. Number one, disloyalty. Disloyalty. We to make it through life, we have bonds of loyalty, promises of fidelity. Some of them are unspoken to people we count as friends. And some, as I said, some of them are spoken, some of them are unspoken. when you have When David and Jonathan cut the covenant between the two of them, they were making promises of faithfulness in friendship to one another. But you can have a strong we don't do that today, and you can have a strong relationship of friendship with someone without necessarily saying so although it doesn't hurt to do so these are bonds that make trust between people um, possible and any kind of closeness I dare not use the word intimacy because it has come to mean something that it you know the word is is much broader than that but to have a close friendship with someone requires trust because you know to, to be a close friend with someone means that they let you look into their life. And you let them look into yours. And a close friend. Will probably know things about you. That other people will not know. And so. That puts. You're hanging it out there a little bit. And so are they. And you know. But. And a, a friend. A, a covenant friend is one who sticks closer than a brother. But good friends. Will hang together. Even. And we'll, we'll, we'll come to the, the other one's aid, even when it isn't necessarily convenient. Amen. Three o'clock in the morning. Call from KCI. I can't get an Uber. I can't get anything out here. I have got to get home. My, you know, I can't get my wife to answer the phone. I can't get my husband water. Can You, you water. Know, can you come to the airport three o'clock in the morning and get me? If you can't, it's cool like that. What do you do? what does it say about Jesus about importune prayer you know give me three loaves a friend of mine has come you know go away you know all right so disloyalty breaks that promise fails to honor that personal obligation or allegiance Uh, disloyalty would be a man say who blows the family grosser money grocery money in gambling or, or something of that nature. Disloyalty will make fun of a friend. Take something that a friend you know about a friend that's a little personal perhaps, and there's a there's an there, uh, and and expose it. There's an old preacher joke about a bunch of pastors, four pastors that are sitting around a circle after a little prayer time and one of them, you know, they just start talking and they're really bearing their souls to one another. And one of them says, "Well, I'll just admit to you, I've been stealing from the from the from the offering, and I need you guys to pray for me because this is really weighing on me. And i and this has to stop. And I, but I'm in a situation, and so you guys really pray for me. Another one says, "Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I always, you know, I I, I struggle with, um, you know, uh, you know, pornography and." Like this, things that are serious, you know, and another one spoke up and said, well, you know, I've kind of got a girlfriend on the side and everything like that. And that's my real problem. And they came to the fourth guy and they said, well, do you have anything that really bothers you? And he said, I, I, I've I, got a big mouth on me and I can't shut up and I can't wait to get out of here. Oh. That guy's about to run out and be disloyal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If I fail to extend help to a friend when it is possible for me to do so. Don't say go away and come back tomorrow when you have it with you. So what it says in Proverbs, that's disloyalty. That is injury. It is not beyond forgiveness, but that is disloyalty genuinely requires that is a genuine offense. Then we go to betrayal. Disloyalty treats us you know, one of the th- yeah, oh well, let me I'm going to come back to this. You can be disloyal to your mate I, I don't know how many times I heard this when I was growing up. When I'd ask somebody, are you married? And the guy would say, well, I'm not married, but my wife is. You ever heard that? That's stupid is what that is. That is disloyal is what that is. I know they may feel like it's funny, but it's not. Words are powerful. And that's even before crawling into, the, you know, crawling into bed with somebody not your wife or not your husband when you are married betrayal is whereas disloyalty treats us as if we were strangers in other words you and I were supposed to be friends but I went out and you know acted like you're no big deal disloyalty treats us as if we we're a stranger not but betrayal to uh, someone is to treat them as if they're an enemy it's not only not doing what is right but actually intentionally doing what's wrong um, We betray people whenever we sell them out. We use privileged information against them. Like a partner who leaves a company and then uses the inside dirt on the company. Or a man or a woman who seduces a friend's spouse. That's betrayal. Everybody still loves me here. So that's betrayal. Betrayal needs forgiveness. Betrayal cannot be excused. There is no excuse for betrayal. Then there's brutality. Brutality. Brutality is the infliction of pain with personal malice and vindictiveness. Brutality can be dispensed by acquaintance and stranger alike. Somebody who goes in, as we have seen increasingly as our nation loses its collective mind, and just starts shooting children. That is brutality. That is demonic brutality. Uh, a guy who robs a business and then needlessly kills the clerk who wasn't even resisting. There was a case in Oklahoma where a guy went to jail. He defended himself lawfully. It was some sort of a, a, a store. I don't know if it was a drugstore. Man, when I was a cop, they used to tell you when you have a silent alarm in a drugstore, go in Ready for action. Um, But somebody tried to rob the store and the, the either the clerk or the owner, I don't know which it was, pulled a gun and shot one of the guys. And he dropped one robber dropped on the floor and then he chased the other guy. I don't know if he caught the other guy or not. I don't remember that part. But when he came back in and he looked down and the guy was still alive, he gave him one in the head. Well, he went to jail for that. The first shot was legal because he was under, you know, he was under threat and he was in fear of his life. The guy was armed, but that was across the line. That was brutal. Brutality is particularly painful within a relationship, like a husband who batters his wife, or a man or a woman who abuses in any way his or her children. The man who sells his brother into slavery. We talked about Joseph last week, but let me. Let me give you a little more modern update on that. Maybe somebody, I remember my dad, when he was probably two or three years before he died, he had taken up a relationship with a young fella that lived in the same apartment complex. And that young fella came and asked him if he would be willing to co-sign for a loan for him. And I don't remember what it was about. And my sister actually was the one who told me about it. And I said, Sis, absolutely, positively, 100%, uh-uh. He who hates being surety is safe. This guy's not family. This, we have no idea who he is. Now, I do not want to catch, I don't. I, I never met the guy. I don't know his name. I don't know any of the. My dad didn't do it. But he was tempted to do so because he really liked the kid. But I know there are people out there that do stuff like that. They get somebody to co-sign for them and they have absolutely no intention of paying that loan back. They are saddling this other person intentionally and knowingly with the debt. That is brutal. That is enslaving that person to your own ends. Offences are are injurious their wounds and wounds by definition are painful. They are the kind of injury we cannot ignore. You know it's popular to say you know if we know somebody's grieving or somebody's going through something they say oh, come on man shake it off it'll be okay. You know what those kind of words don't help because some things are not easily shaken off. You know we, we say well I just want to move on you know, or we tell people you, you, you need to move on. Well, you know, when something precious has been ripped from you, taken away from you, or you've been hit between the eyes with a two before or a brick bat, it's rather difficult. And they let me tell you, I'd rather have somebody hurt me physically than have somebody hurt me emotionally. As long as it isn't grievous bodily injury. All right. Um. Emotional injuries are far, far more devastating than physical ones. And time does not heal all wounds. Time heals no thing. Nothing. Everybody say amen. Amen. Gosh, is, is everybody on board with me? I realize this is a little different than my usual method of ministry. But I really think this is important because we're living in a time when people are so angry. Some of these people who are, who are going in and shooting places up and stuff like this are angry. They've been bullied or they've been cheated or they've been wrong. And in many cases, the things they, th- that they've endured have been genuinely grievous. And they have a genuine, uh, a, a, a legitimate complaint. But they haven't handled it well. And as a result, those things get down and fester On the inside of them. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. See to it that no one comes up short of the grace of God. I want you to think about the gravity of that statement. Number one, it is written to Christians. It is not written to worldlings. And for him to say, see to it that no one pulls up short of the grace of God. Why would you even say that if it were not possible? Paul tells the Corinthians receive not the grace of God in vain meaning do not receive God's grace to no effect. So he says see to it that no one comes up short or comes short of the grace of God that no and this is in part of the same sentence by the way that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by it, many be defiled. Well, I was, Kathy and I were talking before uh, this, or actually this afternoon. And I was describing to her, how many of you noticed the mulch when you came in? And we did not ask them to do the trees, but they dog bowled. That's what they called, they dog bowled the trees. And I was telling her, they dog bowled the trees. And she said, you mean the ones in front? I said, no, all of them. She said, even the maples out by the sign? Yes. I said, even the red bud that's out there in front of the intersection. She said, you mean the one that is so overgrown and really needs trimming? That's the first thing I she, That's shoot. She identifies it by its need. And we reminisced about how that red bud tree, when we first moved into the building, they planted that red bud tree out there and it struggled. And then everything died. And all that was left was the stump. That's it. And I thought, I don't know about having that stump out or what. Now, how many of you know that tree that I'm talking about out there? I think it's gigantic now. But it got to the point that all there was was a stump in the ground. All the rest of the branches, everything became dead, crackly, everything. And we wound up just having to... Cut it off because, it, you know, there wasn't a thing on it. But we didn't take the stump out of the ground. And as it turns out, the stump, the root, was still alive. And the next year, I was out picking up trash or something. And I looked and there were little green shoots starting to come up out of that stump. And I said, well, what do you know? Oh, Stumpy's still with us. <laughs> and that is one of the biggest Decorate ornamental trees, we have besides the maples out here, it's far bigger than any of those um, uh, flowering cla- crab trees that we have out there. And I want you to know that is the way a root of bitterness, if in fact, the Greek word for bitterness is interesting, it's pikros. It's like pik- pikros. When you get bitter, that you get you get just like the picket things. I mean, you know, i <sighs> okay, we're gonna get off this subject as soon as possible. Um, and that tree is a perfect example of how that a root of bitterness, things we let fester on us, can grow up and not just defile us, but defile many. It says because other people. That's a, you know what we you know one of the things about when you know that you're in unforgiveness is when you feel like you got a bellyache about how. You know, when was it? Singing that somebody done somebody wrong song. You know, they done me wrong, whatever and all this. And we we want to get on social media and do that and get everybody on our side. And boy, we live in a day when people will take other people's offenses like that. And it's not healthy. It's not healthy for the culture. Many are defiled. And it's not healthy for us and it's not healthy for the person who recruited us to their offense, to their hurt. When we get in when that root of bitterness grows a plant called hate. That is real hate, not what you hear described as hate oftentimes out here in the culture. Hate is you don't agree with me. So you're a hater. No, uh, that is that is not that is not hate. Hate is hate is that bitterness, the resentment and a lot of it's because we refuse to draw boundaries and be good about it. How many of you know that each of us has boundaries or at least we should. You want me to elaborate on that just a little bit? I'd be happy to. Thank you, Pastor. Please do that. Let me give you an example of boundaries. This was, in fact, this was the very example that one of my professors gave us when we were being taught about it. Is that we have a couple. They've been married several years. They have children. And they have a a tradition of going to the husband's family's house Thanksgiving every year they've been doing it for years and the wife says to the husband you know long about August uh, honey I'm I want to talk about Thanksgiving the very fact that she's approaching the subject so early tells you that maybe there's a little bit of sensitivity here and well what do you mean you want to talk about it? well you know um and it could be anything. It could be, you know, we have our own kids now and they're getting older. And I think it's time to start our own tradition. Or it might be my uncle Jake has been, you know, gone in military service for, you know, so long deployed and hasn't been home. And he's going to be home just for Thanksgiving. And everybody's gathering at at. at uh, my 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 folks house or my aunt Susan's house or whatever. And we're going to be, it's going to be like a family reunion. And I would really like to do that this year instead of going to your parents house like we do all the time. And the husband then says, honey, we go to my mom's house every and she makes such a big deal of it. You know that. Yeah, I know. What I mean. And it's really going to make her mad if we don't come. Now, irrespective of whether or not the woman would actually be. Angry about it. The fact is that when if if she's going to be if she truly is going to be mad about it is going to be put out and you know pouts and all this that is manipulation. Are you hearing me? That is manipulation. Because and here's something else. I, the husband and the wife, do not have the power to make her anything, including mad. It is a choice she makes. And using her anger to try to get them to do what she wants them to do is manipulation. Now, here's the problem. If we keep going year after year to... um, And I am not, by the way, describing a situation that has ever been within our marriage. When I use the first person, I'm doing so merely for illustration. If we keep going, what happens is that, and I really don't want to be there, over a period of time, that boundary is being, being crossed. It's being violated. And resentment will begin to build in me, and that resentment is the very word, picros, that bitterness, resentment. And if I let, well, what we see happen is we will accept abuse, we will accept abuse, we will accept abuse, we will accept manipulation, we suffer manipulation, and we 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 won't say anything about it. We won't stand up for ourselves, and you can stand up for yourself without being. Um, offensive about it everybody say amen and then finally the resentment so builds in me that I it just and then I I've seen it I've seen people do something like I can't believe I did that I can't believe I said that I can't believe I did fill in the blank it is so out of character for me and people will say yeah what happened Resentment built up because my boundary was I was allowing boundaries are like fences. You you in, in, in your life and you are the one who should have say so over who gets over who comes across the fence and who does not. Amen. And you just have to be courageous about it and say, you know what, I don't think I'm going to do that or no, I'm not but it's going to cause them to be upset with me. Well, you know what? That's okay. And if your relationship with them is based upon you performing as they want you to, then you probably need to rethink that relationship. You know, I went to church tonight and the pastor didn't preach. He meddled. Let me give you some myths. We're not going to finish this tonight. I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to. Fi- are you learning anything though? Amen. All right. One of the things we talked about last week, going back to that resentment, if we harbor a grudge, we are not free. We are enslaved. And. I'm not going to speak of this. We talked about Joseph last week and that we'll come back to some another, you know. But let me give you some myths about forgiveness. Myths about forgiveness. Myth number 1: Well, if I forgive them, it is to condone the act. If I forgive them, they'll think it was okay. No, forgiveness is not excuse. To the contrary, forgiveness is necessary. When there is no excuse. Yeah but. No let, let me finish. Well what they did was wrong. Yes. What they did was wrong. What they did was disloyalty. Or it was betrayal. Or it was bu- brutality. Definitely. You know. I, those, those poor people in Uvalde. Who lost children. Or Columbine. If you want to go all the way back to there. Or the first crazy thing like this I remember in my lifetime was the sniper in the tower at the University of Texas in Austin. I mean that had to be 50 years ago. And I remember what horror and shock the nation was in. Because something like that happened. If you'd have told us 50 years ago, we were going to get to where, you know, it, we were going to be hearing about stuff like that on a regular basis, frequent basis, we would say, no way, but the spirit of insanity is here. And those parents have suffered a wound that is indescribably painful. I am not in any way. Denigrating or diminishing the pain that they have. I can't even imagine it. I'm telling you. I can't even imagine it. I mean, think about it. You know, the, your, your child, your seven-year-old, your eight-year-old went off to school that morning normally and they're never coming home. And then now you've got to go through the drawers and clean out all of their, their socks and their, 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 it, all the things out of the closet and all that stuff. You talk about something that will rip the heart right out of somebody. There it is. But if they fail to forgive, that will destroy them. They've got to let that go. Because if we let our bitterness define us, our resentment, our grief define us, it becomes hatred. It metastasizes. Because I forgive, it doesn't mean what happened was okay. Another myth is this. Well, to forgive somebody is to just act as if nothing ever happened. No forgiveness is not tolerance we tolerate the stupidity and idiocy of small children because they're you know they're incompetent you know they're not old enough yet to necessarily realize what they're doing you know we tolerate the mild eccentricities of the people we love You know, it's like you—you you, you might have a friend or a uh, loved one that it seems like every time you're trying to tell them something, they interrupt you. It's like, Arr! you tolerate it, you you put up with it. They don't mean anything; they're just rude. That went over really big. All right. Um. And remember that forgiveness is as much for us as it is for the offending party. You got to You got to get that in mind. You know, we often we, when I say we tolerate, I mean, we excuse their behavior and we don't hold them, you know, uh, culpable because i guilty because, you know, the perpetrator, the perp is either ignorant or misguided or something of that nature. Um, offenses are not OK They are genuinely injurious acts which breach some sort of either the social contract, the the bond of trust. And true offenses cannot be ignored and we cannot act as if nothing happened. That doesn't mean the individual cannot be forgiven. But forgiveness does not mean you just go on acting like nothing ever happened. Another myth is forgiveness means automatic reconciliation, which kind of goes back to what we just said. Reconciliation means to restore to friendship and to harmony, to settle the differences between us, things to be returned to normal, just as if the injurious behavior had never occurred that is possible over time but only if there is repentance on the part of the offender. You see, and I'm not talking about an apology. An apology could be something as, oh, sorry about that. How many of you have ever received an apology that was polite but insincere? Amen. Most of us Have. And you can forgive a person like that. You'll do so for you, not necessarily for them. Be careful praying, God, I forgive them, but I ask you not to. You get him, God. You get him. No, he does not approve of that attitude in us. He does not have that attitude. How many of you are glad that he doesn't have that attitude toward us? I don't want somebody praying for me like that. I forgive Kevin, Lord, but I want you to get him. Get him good. It even says in the Proverbs. When you see your enemy stumble. Don't rejoice. Lest God see it. And be displeased. And lift his hand. Because you know what that means. Is he will stop dealing with that person. To keep you out of the ditch. Apology. An apology. Do you know what? How many of you have ever heard of a Christian apologist or apologetics? An apology is a defense in a very real sense. Yes, it can be. It can have the elements of contrition and sorrow within it. But true repentance is surrender. Do you follow me if I have offended my wife if I have injured my wife and she is angry with me I go and I apologize but I also say I'm very sorry I did that I was wrong to do that me saying I was wrong means I recognize my error and I am going to correct it I repent. and you can't make the offender penitent you can release them from their sin even if they don't repent but you cannot force them to be penitent you can't cease to hold it against them as if they ne- even if they never had one drop of remorse but i tell you if there is no repentance on their part if there is no sorrow if there is no coming to terms with the injury reconciliation may well be impossible you may be able to get past it but you may not Romans chapter 12 verses 17 and 18 um, I didn't give that to Susan Susan if you could put that up for us though I I I think it would be worth it Um, sometimes when I throw a scripture at her that she wasn't expecting I can hear the theme from jeopardy playing in the back of my mind waiting on it never pay back evil for evil to anyone Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible. Everybody say possible. Everybody see that word if. And that's Bible. If possible. So far as it depends upon you. Be at peace with all men. There are going to be people you will not be able to be at peace with no matter What gestures of conciliation, how many olive branches you hold out because that's just the way they are. And you are not required to stay in relationship with a person like that. I know. Well, we'll get I don't want to get ahead of myself. Last myth. Before we close it out and we'll come back to this next week. The last The last one of these is going to be forgive yourself. Not tonight, but you know, because if you don't forgive yourself, you've got to forgive yourself. Here's another myth. Last one for tonight. Forgiveness is forgetting. Forgiveness is forgetting. First of all, not even God forgets our sin. I know it says he casts our sin into the seas of his forgetfulness. He separates them. You know, you hear that. But the fact is, it says he separates us. He separates us from our sin as far as east is from the west. And he will remember our transgressions against us no more. He does not remember our transgressions against us. That's the key word. He remembers everything. He has no holes in his memory. I've heard it cutely said, you know, that when we go asking God for forgiveness for something for the second time, that we're being impolite because we're bringing up something to God that he intentionally forgot. No, he didn't forget it. What is forgetting? How could you? Well, just put it this way. Somebody does something to injure you and you forgive them and you ask God to forgive them and you're certain God does that. How, how is it that you remember it and God doesn't? That's impossible because God knows at least everything you do. Right? Okay. And that's ridiculous. God promises not to remember our sin against us. And that is the way it works with people is that we promise when we forget it means we no longer hold that sin against them. One of the things that drives people out of the ministry is the betrayals that come your way when you're, you know, one of the things that they'll tell you in seminary is you can always tell the leader he's the guy or she's the woman with the arrows in their back. Think that through and you'll get it. And, um, you know, I've, my wife and I have experienced some pretty heavy ones you know you be in ministry 40 years you you're gonna you're gonna have it's gonna happen and we have had and some of you are aware of some of it and we one of the things you have to understand is when we're over, and when somebody genuinely does something wrong to us and they betray us or they're brutal about it that is evil We recoil, good people recoil at evil. Evil is repugnant to us. And so it makes that offense. I'm telling you, I have had individuals who have, who have done things that I have seen them in a grocery store or in a Walmart or Target or someplace like that and when my eyes settled on him it was like (gasps) I mean it's just like something just a wave came over me. It's revulsion. Not and here's where you've got to understand be biblical about it. It's not revulsion necessarily at the person it's revulsion at the act. And you must make that differentiation. In fact, one time, Kathy and I were, you've heard me tell this story before, but it's the funniest one I can think of. We were out here at Independence Center and we were getting ready to come out through the south facing doors. You know, where the big doors, you know, that were west of where... Macy's used to be and there's a furniture place there I guess now and uh, east of Dillard's and here we are walking along and I looked up and I saw somebody who had really done me a number said some very terrible things about me called some people of the church and said some things it's like and that got back to me and I see this individual coming now. When I see this individual coming, I have pretty good spatial apperception and I can determine that at the speed at which we are walking, we're going to hit the door and we're going to be out the door before he and his wife hit the door this way. And we are going to make eye contact and it's going to be awkward. So do you remember this? And we're getting ready to walk out. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. We got right up to the door. I said, wait, wait, wait. And she didn't even know what was going on. And then when that individual and his wife opened the doors, bam, we hit the door and walked out. So that way they never saw us. There was no eye contact. And there was no, no interaction. Now, what was going on there? What had happened in that situation. What that individual had done. Had so revulsed me. It had so wounded me. It had so angered me. I you know. The first thing you want to do. Is run around and ask everybody. Did anybody talk to so and so. What did they say. And then set the record straight. I didn't do that. And people came to me and told me. I said well that's just you know. Because I learned a long time ago. That there's. No profit in that whatsoever. And yet, I, somebody said, Well, you forgave him? Yes, I did. I forgave him because I knew that if I harbored that resentment in my heart, that it was going to mess me up. And so I forgave him. He said, No, you, would say, If you believe this myth, no, you didn't forgive him because if you'd forgiven, you'd be able to walk up and talk to him like, No. No. Forgive forgetting is where I have had opportunity to heal. Now, today, I could talk to that individual face to face with absolutely no problem. And the things of the past not even come up. There have been people I've had former staff members who've knifed us really good and then call up years later and say i am so sorry. And when they did that, i was so glad that i had not gone around behind them throwing up on their reputation. I'm telling you, saints, and i'm not saying i've been perfect in this stuff, i have not. But i've i can't say by the grace of god i've passed up a lot of good opportunities. What happens is Forgetting is not having no mental man. I'm I've got Carl on the on the box, Keep walking down here and all that. I've got I've got the guys back there in the booth really w- working today um, is where I forgetting is where I no longer have any sorrow, any grief, any anger over that. The illustration I used to love to use was it now becomes a fact. It becomes history. It is not something, it's now black and white. It is not blood red non-fire and screaming at me. You know when you say, and I realize there are certain people groups that get upset about this now. I mean, It doesn't matter what you say anymore somebody's upset. But I used to say, remember this, we used to when it's in school, we used to memorize dates. In 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's how we learned you know, that was the year that, you know, Columbus sailed. 1400. Well, whenever I hear that, I don't go. Mm, it's a fact. It's history. I'm, it, it has no impact on me. And you can come to the place through the grace of God and the transformation and walking in love and, and, and being with the Lord You know, worshiping and everything that no matter how grievous, what you can even forgive an unfaithful spouse. You can forgive somebody that stole something that was precious to you. You can forgive. You can forgive anything, anybody, not because you're good, but because the God inside of you will heal your heart. And it all comes from him. This isn't anything. I'm telling you, this is all grace, every bit of it. And so forgetting is not, no, is, is, is not the case of that I no longer ever have cognition of it. No, it's not that. It is I do not al- allow it to affect my attitude toward that person. You know, they talk about agape love being, you know, a few years ago, several individuals were talking about agape love, agapao, as being an unconditional positive regard. Okay, I can go with that. In other words, you know, there is no emotional component in there. If I love you with an agapao, you know, agapao, I love, agapao se, I love you in Greek. All right. That means I will not cheat on you. I will not lie on you. I will not defame you. I will not steal from you. I will treat you with the utmost respect and um, courtesy and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethically and ethics. But it doesn't mean I have to like you. Do You understand the difference? One is phileo love. It's an, it's an emotional attachment. The other one is an ethical stand we take. And we are, that's why we are to love sinners. Agapao. There's nothing in the scripture that tells us to phileo, to have warm fuzzies. And so we need to understand that or the enemy will come whip your head. Oh, if you'd really forgiven him, you wouldn't feel this way. No. You know, you're standing there. Something's happened and you're standing there with a, with a massive wound between your eyes where you've just been hit between the eyes and the blood's running down your face and you've, they've caved in the front of your skull. Well, if you'd forgiven them, you wouldn't be hurting. Excuse me, but I have a little healing to do. And yes, I have forgiven them, but I'm not going to have anything to do with them for a while. One of the things that teenagers do not seem to understand is that when they violate their parents' trust and they, have you ever had one say this to you? Well, do you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. Good, then we're back where we started. No, we are not. You violated my trust. I gave you my trust. You betrayed that trust. Yes, I forgive you. But now, you are going to have to rebuild that trust. That is perfectly scriptural. Man, I didn't think I was going to go this long. I'll close with this if our musicians would come. Genuine forgiveness is a deliberate choice. A deliberate choice. Susan, can you project the word so I don't have to walk up and write on the board? Deliberate? Here it comes. I don't know if, there, if, if this is something that we've never done that before where I've asked her to do that and I don't know if it's it, it may not be as easy as you know How uh, uh, oh, was that for me? Uh, no. Okay. Well, there it is. Okay. Deliberate. Now you can pronounce that another way. Can't you? Deliberate. They're in deliberations. What does that mean? In other words they're. Chewing something through. They're working through something. They're talking about something. They're they're deliberating. And when we say. He deliberately. In other words. It was something intentional. It was something thought through. There's a big difference between capital murder. Or in some places, first degree murder and manslaughter. Manslaughter is something that was happened. The individual did not walk in the room or did not whatever intentionally kill the individual is either an act of negligence or something of that nature. We even see it in Leviticus. Uh, But premeditation, deliberation makes it a capital offense I thought about it I planned it out and I did it that is exactly the way true forgiveness has to be it has to be deliberate you will have to make the decision to forgive if you don't make a conscious decision to forgive you're gonna struggle with it and you have gotta tell and that doesn't mean you go to that person and say, I forgive you. That you don't have to do that. But you have to. You ha- and that, oh, I say you don't have to do that. The Lord may tell you to. And if he does, then you, you do. But what I'm saying is that you, you have to make that decision. And then when those feelings. When you're standing there at the door of the mall going, wait, 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 wait. You're not saying, hate, 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 hate. You're saying, I just don't want to talk to that person right now just don't want to talk to that person right now I don't see anything good coming out of that so I'll just be I'll be circumspect about this no I'm not going to go out and talk bad about them no I'm not going to go defame them I'm not going to go you know tell her about what they done to me you know a fool's offense is known at once love covers right okay pastor can we move on yes let's all stand Well, if you're glad you came, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. It, you know, this is this is tough sledding, you know, because and I'm telling you, more and more things are happening around us. We get more and more opportunity. Everybody's mad. Everybody's given the finger. Everybody's, you know, get out of my way and everything. And you know what? Just go out there and be nice to people and watch the way they respond. Amen. Sometimes they're shocked beyond, you know, you go up there and the clerk says, we sold out, you know, and you, you said, well, I called up here and they said they'd hold one for me. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but they didn't, you know. Don't throw up on them. They say, you know what, stuff like that happens. They'll look at you like you just fell up out of a You know, they're amazed. And I'll say sometimes, well, I've had people tell me, well, I appreciate your, your being understanding. And I'll say, look, if this is the worst thing that happens to me today, I'm in fine shape. Amen. Those of you watching by web, what I shared tonight touches your life like very few things I share may. Because every one of us live in this world where offenses abound. And for your own sake, to say nothing of your family and your friends and the offender. Let him go. If you're not a Christian, you're trying to do, the, you're trying to fight this battle with one hand tied behind your back. You need Jesus because only He can bring us to the place that we are not doing it merely as an act of our will, but we are so tra- excuse me, we are so transformed that it is no longer a pain to us that we truly can look at it and be very objective and very removed. Because that's no longer an issue. The way you receive Jesus is to just say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that you have raised him from the dead. And I believe with my heart and confess with my lips that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. The scripture says, Jesus himself, through his Holy Spirit, will come and dwell in you. And he will transform you. And he will give you the grace to do the kind of forgiving we've talked about tonight. And maybe you have been kicked from pillar to post. But God can heal you. I am living proof. God can heal you. And He will. But you've got to know Him. Christian, maybe you're mad at God. Did you know it's possible to be mad at God? Sure it is! Because He didn't do what we thought He should do. And maybe you've been running from Him. Maybe it's because you can't forgive yourself. We'll get to that in due course. But I'm here to tell you. You need to come back to Him. And you need to purge yourself of all of this and allow Him To sit down with him and go over and forgive everybody who has ever offended you, just whoever comes to mind. Let him go. And from that point forward, you don't need to do it again. Just say, Nope, that's already done. No matter how the sting might return. When the enemy comes and replays the tape of the offense, and that, you can say, Nope, thank you, Father, for your healing. Thank you, Father, for your healing presence and your grace setting me free. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone, available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, Family, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.